Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today on Barca Talk, we're wishing Paco Alcácer were still at Barcelona because Luis Suarez is having problems with his knee and Paco is scoring goals in Germany. Both the B team and the women's team have been winning lately, and we saw an inconsistent pair of performances from the first team. First, the brilliance of Arthur Coutinho and Messi against Tottenham in the Champions League, and then the dullness of a side that seems to be in desperate need of the international break against Valencia. Hey everybody, welcome to Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson coming to you from Buffalo, New York, and joining me as always from Madrid, Spain, is Gabriel Quiroga. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother, just got done watching the Madrid sports show, and guess what, Brian? Real Madrid's in crisis. Yeah, they are. I was watching I that it. game, and I was I just kept saying to myself, Alaves, you can do this. Even if you and just get a draw, that's fine. And they're in third place. They're in third place, Alaves gets the late goal. Real Madrid is... In, in crisis. Correct. I just saw the front paper here. It says, Crisis Real. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, no. I don't want to take too much joy in it just because I know that, you know, these things can turn and we could just as easily be in it. I mean, we've, up until last Wednesday, we had three not great performances in a row. So I don't want to take too much pleasure in a Real Madrid's misfortune, but they've gone an awful long time without even scoring a goal now. And uh, I'll, I'll just take a little bit of pleasure in it. Yeah, I mean, but again, it just goes back to we still have the best player in the world. So, you know, Modric, the best player should be doing something to help this team. You yeah, know? right. He's the where's best, you know? where's so. Modric? Where's your where's yeah. your trophy? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I just got done watching the sports show, so that gave me a lot of pleasure. And obviously, um, we're recording this before the Valencia match tonight, so I'm excited to watch that to see if we have some kind of carryover from the outstanding performance on Wednesday night's game. Yeah, and of course, we're going to be talking about the Valencia match later on in the episode, but this particular portion we're recording beforehand because, you know, those Sunday night partidazos, they really make uh, – they really make – podcast production that comes out on monday a little difficult but we like to let you all in on the process <laughs> but again remember we're podcast professionals so we can do that brian so yeah we can pull it off yeah so i'm excited for the match like i said i just want to see the carryover to see if we can carry over that performance from you know wednesday night's outstanding um spectacular messy performance our tour performance and goals galore. yeah yeah so hope hope so, and of course, <laughs> by the time anyone is hearing this, we already know the result. But we're we're still 
we're still fresh. We're like uh, naive little babies. But anyway, <laughs> I, I have I have I have two news items that I want to talk about this week, and the first one actually has to do with Paco. So it's the the, the curious case, in fact, of Paco Alcacer, because you know we knew he had the quality to score, and I I don't know about you, Gabriel. I'm pretty sure we're on the same page here, but. I keep wondering why Barca would have loaned him to Dortmund and hold on to Munir. We've talked about this, right? So Paco is seeing some minutes in the Bundesliga. He's still mostly coming off the bench most of the time. But on Saturday against Augsburg, he came on in the 59th minute with Dortmund uh, down one nothing. Dortmund down one nothing, And he scores a hat trick in 30 minutes. Dortmund won the match 4-3. And um, on this topic, we got this from friend of the show and Patreon supporter Zach Jansen. He says, Paco Alcacer is absolutely lighting up the Bundesliga right now. Leading scorer with six goals and only played 81 minutes. Munir has a messy deflection. Messi scores that goal by hitting off Munir's foot. <laughs> yeah, he like basically called that shot, right? He's like, I'm, I'm bouncing it off Munir's foot yeah. and into the goal, right? <laughs> You know, um, I also received a message on Twitter from at AsmiAV1. He was forwarding me highlights of the Paco uh, hat trick. And again, you know, again, we don't know the back dealings of what was being offered to Paco to stay at Barcelona or not. But, you know, I just always thought that he should have more chances because as a closer, you know, for Suarez basically to maybe give him a spell for the last 20 minutes, you put in another quality striker up there he's going to give you, you know, between five goals within 20 matches, you're hoping, just with the amount of firepower we have. But again, I always knew he had the potential. He just was never getting playing time. And obviously Valverde just didn't have confidence in him for whatever reason, for whatever reason. And again, another kind of chain reaction to this is that he he got called up to the Spanish national team for this upcoming international break by Lucho. Yeah, all it takes is a hat trick in 30 minutes. That'll do it. <laughs> but the reason we're talking about this, of course, is because Paco is he's only on loan to Dortmund. And I think we've assumed that this loan deal will lead to a sale in the end, you know, at the end of the day. But I'm just wondering, like, could we just get him back next year? I mean, especially after, you know, our next news item about Suarez's knee, you know. So, again, it's just I just want, you know, we always talk about the depth, right? And I know Paco was expensive for what he wasn't playing, you know, but again, Valverde has to play him. And he, I don't know if he's just scared of Suarez, of his reaction behind the scenes in the locker room of not starting him, you know, occasionally, but you know, I would like to have him back. I know he can score goals and that's really what we need as a point man up there in this formation, the four, three, three, we don't need someone, you know, is Paco a better passer than Suarez? No. Do you think he's a little bit quicker than Suarez? I think so. Yeah, Obviously, Suarez is, Suarez is more physical, right? right. But I, I mean, with Paco's finishing, I think it's, you know, maybe just obviously a little bit below of Suarez's, but it's still pretty high. And I would also agree that for me, I just think it's better than Munir's. I mean, comparing Paco with Munir for a moment, because comparing Paco with Suarez is maybe a little unfair because they're actually both of, I think, overall roughly equal quality, but they just have their different kinds of players. Whereas Paco and Munir are actually very similar kinds of center forwards, but Paco, he just, he runs more. He gets involved in the play more positively. He is just a little bit slicker. He has better finishing than Munir and he, you know, he can get goals. And that's really important. You know, like I said, just put him in that closer role for matches for the last 15 minutes. You have really nothing to lose. You give Suarez some breaks, some more minutes and, you know, 
Paco gets opportunities, you know, or even Munir right now. I, you know, I don't really care who it is, but just give, you know, bring in that closer as a forward, because, you know, when I used to play as a forward, you're constantly sprinting. And by the 75th minute, 80th minute, you're just tired. And to have someone to come in to give the defense, you know, those fresh legs, someone that's overzealous to try to really make a play and score, that's really difficult to defend. And I just, I don't think managers these days use that option as much as they used to. And I just would like to see, I know we have Munir on the team, but I just would have loved to see Paco got that opportunity. But as we see, Paco is scoring at a, an enormous clip right now in the Bundesliga. Yeah, he's doing great. So getting on to the next item, which is that Luis Suarez did tell reporters that he's going to begin a treatment for his knee on Monday. And, um, of course, that as of the time we're recording this, we don't know if he's uh, going to play against Valencia or not. But he said that he was available. Uh, he and Messi both did not train on Friday with the squad. So that might have been some indicator. Uh, but he is still capable of playing, but apparently he was feeling knee pain in the Tottenham match. And this may explain, actually, some of the aspects we've been seeing in his game, right? He's looking sluggish at times. He's not scoring. The last two matches, he's looked really good. But, you know, going back to last season and the beginning of this season, you know, just like bad touches, looking sluggish, not scoring. You know, maybe he's having um, a more chronic problem with his knee and he's finally getting treatment for it, which is good. I mean, maybe or maybe he's just becoming more honest with the medical staff about his actual pain and what's actually going on. And maybe he's kind of kept this hidden for a while, which is like the worst thing you can do, because if he could have treated this more before, maybe they could have avoided these chronic problems now. But yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, maybe it is an explanation for how he's been sluggish and maybe for the matches where he really wants to get up, maybe he gets a little uh, booster shot, you know, on that knee for some pain, you know, yeah. shoot me up coach, you know, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's interesting to see that. I, I'm curious to see for tonight's match if Malcolm gets the start or Munir gets the start, especially after, you know, the match at Wembley, how great he played with his effort, his running, uh, obviously the dummy runs he did. Um, just to give him some more time off, especially with this international break coming. So I per- would prefer to see Munier or Malcolm gain the start tonight and just give Suarez a time off. I mean, again, with uh, with the season being so long and so many games coming up, again, the Copa del Rey campaign is going to start up right after your international break. So we need to rest these players, take care of them, manage their minutes. Because again, as we always say, it's trying to get to the February, March, April timeline as fresh as possible and playing as well as possible at that moment. Next up after the break, Barca B and Barca women are both racking up wins and the magic of Messi in London. All right, we're back, and this is Barca Talk. Barca B took a draw this weekend from their meeting with Atletico Baleares after two straight wins against Conquense and UE Olat. With a full report on those wins is our Barca B correspondent, Max Bluer. Last time we spoke, Barca B were coming off the back of a couple of unconvincing league performances against Sabadell and Paralada. Yet the boys from La Masia have now taken seven points from nine after a 1-1 draw with Atletico Baleares that followed wins over Olat and Conquense. The 3-0 win over Conquense was most noteworthy for Barca Bay's first hat-trick of the season by Gran Canaria and Rafa Mujica. Let's not get too excited, though. The goals were, to be honest, hilariously bad. The first was a nice left-footed finish across the goalkeeper after latching onto a long ball behind the defence by central defender Jorge Cuenca. The second, though, bounced sympathetically off Mujica's knee from about a yard out. 
a goal that he nevertheless celebrated like the winner in a World Cup final. While the third was a tap-in in the 90th minute, which had featured an absolutely wonderful backheel from Ricky Puig in the build-up. Mundo Deportivo described the game as Barca Bay's most complete performance of the season, and to be honest, it's hard to disagree with them. The boys dominated pretty much from start to finish, with Canadian winger Balou looking particularly dangerous. The only surprise was that it took until the second half for Barca to get the opening goal. But once they did, there was no stopping them. If it was Balou who created much of the danger in the first half with his pace and direct running, then it was Kike Saverio, in combination with Mojica, who was the main creative force after the break, while Ricky Puig's impish genius was far too much for Congense over the 90 minutes. All in all, it was a very impressive performance, one that seemed to build momentum for the next game at home to a lot. And that momentum was clear from the off, as Barcelona went 2-0 up within 10 minutes at the Minia Stadi. Defender Chumi turning home from a Ricky Puig cross, before Abad Ruiz took advantage of a defensive howler to score his first goal of the season. Judging from his manic celebration, I'd say that Abel had been just a little bit anxious to get off the mark. Now that he is, hopefully we'll see many more goals from him in the coming weeks. Now it's silly to say that a team has scored too early, but for whatever reason, the game changed midway through the second half and another error, this time from the Barca defence when an attempted clearance went straight up in the air, allowing a lot of players to sneak in and plant a looping header over Lazar Sarovic and into the far corner. That goal came on the stroke of half-time and really gave a lot wings in a second half that the visitors dominated and saw Garcia Pimienta's boys reliant on Sarovic for a couple of excellent saves. That all changed in the 74th, when Olot centre-back Barnells was sent off following a second yellow card for a foul on that man, Ricky B. The numerical advantage made life much easier and Garcia Pimienta's boys were able to close out the game without further incident. So while not as complete a performance as the previous weeks against Conquense, Another three points are another three points. And indeed, the boys probably wouldn't have achieved this victory in the first few weeks of the season. It's clear that they are well on the way to making the transition from youth to adult football. And while it's far too early to be talking about promotion, recent performances have been very encouraging. A successful B team is vital. As while, of course, not every player can be promoted to play with the big boys, a performing team is necessary as a platform for the likes of Ricky P, Alenia, Abad Ruiz, and my boy Balu to push their cases for first team minutes. Barca Bay's most recent game was a 1-1 draw at home to Atletico Baleares. Although it was disappointing to drop a couple of points at home, Garcia Pimienta's charges are now unbeaten in five and are, at the time of recording, sitting comfortably in third place, bearing in mind that it's the top four who qualify for the end-of-season playoffs. Interestingly, it was Iñaki Peña who has had several training sessions with the first team this year who started the game between the sticks. But his debut with the B team was quickly soured when the Mallorcans took the lead in the 10th minute though it didn't take the boys long to respond, and Alenia tucked home a penalty won by Ricky Puy in the 13th. This was the first time that the two of them had started together in central field. Yet despite the emotional boost from equalising so quickly, and despite dominating most of the rest of the game, Atletico Baleares' stout defence meant that Barcelona had to be satisfied with the point. An interesting subplot to the season so far has been the non-appearance of two of Barcelona's summer signings, Senegalese right-back Wagi, who was a starter for his country at this summer's World Cup, and Uruguayan central defender Ronald Araujo. Before anyone gets worried, Garcia Pimenta isn't ignoring them because they're rubbish, rather it's because they're yet to receive work parents from the authorities. So while Araujo trains with the boys as he acclimatises to the team into Spanish football, Wage is off with his country for African Nations Cup qualifiers against Sudan. So the boys are sitting pretty in the playoff places, at least for now, and will be hoping to maintain their unbeaten run away to Antinet next week, and then again against Villarreal Bay. That was Max Bluer in Madrid. Now, Barca women had a big win over Albacete last week in the Liga Iberdrola, and they'll be off until October 14th when they return to play Rayo Vallecano. They're sitting in third at the moment, but the two teams above them, Atletico and Sociedad, have played one more game than them. We will have a full update and report next week on the Barca women from Michelle Taylor. So let's talk about this Champions League match with Tottenham. This was a good thing. Before we go into our 
our overall review of that match. I do want to mention that we got this from another one of our Patreon supporters, Francis Tony. He said about this that the Rakitic goal, that was in the 28th minute, shows the technical ability hidden in every starting player, uh, which I thought is an interesting comment. Uh, he also adds the question, was it Arthur's presence that allowed Messi to stay in the forward line and not drop back? Messi has put his reputation on the line saying he wants the Champions League, and I think Suarez would take a bullet for him so he can achieve that goal. Suarez was so focused and took the center backs out of the game. So what's your response to Francis's remark there, Gabe, before we go into our thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. First of all, I mean, Rakitic is a very technical player. I mean, we've seen how many goals he scored from outside the box, and he always is able to, well, for the most time, you know, when he shoots the ball, he's able to do it properly, like what you're technically supposed to do. And, but that goal, uh, the second goal for the, for the match, the way he kind of jumped kick and the way he was able to turn his hips and just get the power and also the accuracy on that, on that ball was just super impressive. And again, we've seen that before, you know, um, I'm trying to think of the Classico where he hit a left footer, I think before, and just his ability to shoot from outside the box has always been a really nice attribute of his for us because we've never really had that in the past. So that's a really, uh, you know, it is kind of an interesting point that Francis Tony said, because we kind of forget how technical they are at times, you know, that's why they're at this elite level for Barcelona. So, and then as far as the messy question, um, I think it's a little bit of both. I think also the kind of formation that they were playing allowed Messi to kind of be behind the two forwards. So Tottenham had a lot of things to worry about. And when you have Messi playing the way he played, Suarez playing out of his mind and Artur having the great performance they did. I mean, we had three masterclass performances. It's so difficult to defend because you didn't know which one was more important, right? I mean, they were trying to guard Messi, but obviously that was almost an impossible task. And then you have Suarez taking out those center backs, I mean, it was just a great performance by those three guys. Yeah, yeah. and I, But I do think that there was – I mean, we're going to talk about this, but Arthur, man, in that match, like, he was I, – I think that the way he was playing – and I, we don't know exactly uh, how this came about, if it was just a stroke of luck or if they've really developed this on the training pitch, but we suddenly saw a new kind of Arthur uh, in this match, and I do think that not just him, but – also Coutinho, the way they were working together, the way the whole midfield was operating, and with Coutinho as well, sort of functioning as an additional midfielder, but also an additional attacker. Uh, I think the way that they were all working really freed up Messi in a lot of ways. But of course, Messi's job was to be Messi, right? To And of course, Pochettino said beforehand, we need to not give him space, which means you got to put at least two guys on him, and that opens up space. And when you got all this quality coming from other places... That's what's going to happen. So th- this this leads us into more or less how we wanted to talk about this match. So just to summarize, this was against Tottenham Hotspur in the Champions League in Wembley Stadium with a 4-2 win as the result. And Tottenham, you know, no doubt a quality team. They are off to a rocky start in this campaign. They lost their first Champions League match to Inter 2-1. to And they've had three wins and two losses in their last five Premier League games. So... They were at home at Wembley with plenty of motivation to get three points. But on Barcelona's side, we saw this all-important change in the lineup. Yeah, the, the lineup was pretty much the same except for, the obviously, the major chain with Arthur in the middle. And we had Ter Stegen at goal, Semedo, Piquet, Langlet, Alba in the back. So, obviously, Langlet getting the start from TT, who got red-carded and is also injured at the same time. Uh, we had Busquets, Rakitic, and Artur, obviously, and then Coutinho, Messi, and Suarez. So, we were kind of line up in a 4-3-3, but I've, I've seen some other some other videos and so forth in the week just because I've been 
kind of consuming all this material for this week because of the performance by by Barcelona this week. And some have, you know, pictures of like, we had two forwards up there, essentially Coutinho and Suarez with Messi floating behind. Right. And I think that was a great adaptation because, you know, as we've always noted, we want Messi to play make and that's where he's the most dangerous, right? Especially in this match with his passing was just incredible with the accuracy and just the way he was able to pick Alba on those runs all day long. We had that hole exposed because of the hard work that Suarez was doing to occupy the center backs. As we talked about, obviously, uh, Messi's performance was one of the best performances we've ever seen in a Barcelona uniform. But obviously, the biggest talking point for you and I is the Artur performance. Because as we saw, as we talked about this whole week, back and forth through What's Up on the Patreon episode and so forth, is you know we don't want to get overexcited about this, but there were times where we could have superimposed Xavi in that the way he was able to turn in traffic and I, and I don't know if it's because they're kind of the same physical stature you know not you know height wise and the way they were kind of moving and those passing man it was definitely looked like Javi and I saw a lot of gifs on Twitter where that they superimposed it and you can definitely see it well it's the pirouette right yeah like, it's the pirouette that's he he did a, a few of those and that that always reminds me of Javi that's kind of like his move you know <laughs> Exactly. And the other thing, too, is, you know, we, you just talked about how was it a stroke of luck or was Valverde holding us in his back pocket for this moment? I mean, there for me, there's nothing really to show me any evidence that it was something that he had been planning. I just think it's something that just stumbled upon. Because, again, why has he been holding our tour back? We could have used this, this magic, this midfield possession passing in the Leganes match. Right. You know, and to have them with Vidal, who knows what kind of partnership they would have had. Maybe that would have been a better performance for us. And again, the other surprise for me, too, is I definitely thought we were going to go into more of a four-four-two to be a little bit more conservative at Wembley. But, you know, as we noted, we're more 4-3-3 uh, formation to kind of go after the match. So yeah. in that, I have to give Valverde credit because he stuck to the 4-3-3. But I think the 4-3-3 looked amazing this time. It's because Artur was the missing keystone for this. Yeah, well, as far as the 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 or the tactical shape is concerned, I think that it all depends on Coutinho. When you have him on the pitch, you have some tactical flexibility. And uh, Because I was thinking back to last week when we were saying that with a lineup like this, with Coutinho and his flexibility and where you know the various places he can play and be effective – with that same lineup, you could just as easily have a 4-4-2 with Coutinho dropping back into midfield as a 4-3-3 with him pushing forward into attack. So it all it just all depends on where Coutinho is going to be on the pitch and what role he's going to be playing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Coutinho is such a luxury to have because we can push to the wing if we need to, to have him and then have the overlap combination with Alba, or he can come in center and play off of Messi and Suarez. So that's really an amazing adaptability in his game, but he's so important to our team, especially in these, in these big matches, not only because obviously he scored in this match, his long distance shooting, but also his read on the game when he has to go through the middle or the outside, he seems to pick up the plays when it needs to, right? He's always picking the best plays when to drop it off, when to attack and whatnot. So his formation with Suarez and Messi is just, you know, it's clicking, right? I mean, you can see the the chemistry they've had, obviously that's been developed since last half season, Coutinho is such a great find. He's such a great player, an elite player, right? He's he's a superstar. And him just adding goals and adding to the balance of 
not depending so much on Messi is huge because when Coutinho scores, then and if Messi scores, then all of a sudden we're we should be able to get the points and win each match when that happens. Yeah, he's just such an additional threat. Now, looking at Tottenham in this match, it really actually looked like they were coming in with a pretty attacking lineup. They only had two proper midfielders in Wanyama and Winks, and then sort of a four-man attack with Harry Kane at the top as center forward. Tottenham were missing some of their starters like Eriksen, Dembele, Ali, but uh, Pochettino decided just to plug in those subs into a 4-2-3-1 system. Again, Pochettino decided to try and be very aggressive from the start of the match. But again, we've kind of seen this through other opponents. You know, you ideally want to press, but you can only do it for 50 minutes of the game just because it takes up so much energy. And the way Barcelona is able to break that all the time. But again, Brian, I just don't think Pochettino is an elite manager. So tactically, I just thought this was a bad decision on his part, especially with so many subs, right? I mean, so many sub players. I would definitely try to go more conservative. You're at home, try to get the points because that's really the most important thing for them. You know, for us to get the points, great. But they're at home. They have to try to win every match at home, especially with losing to Inter the first time. But again, they haven't won any trophies. I think they're super overrated. As I've talked before, I wasn't really scared for them. And especially since I knew all these players were going to be out. But again, you know, he continued to opt with the attacking style, obviously, to Barcelona's advantage. And we were able to take advantage of those gaps and holes all over the field. Yeah. And, you know, I think I think Pochettino is a man of belief. You know, I think he's an idealist. It's it's a great vote of confidence to his players that he has such faith in them to plug them into the system and to attack and get the result. And in a certain sense, he was right. They did score two goals, but um, he needs to balance that with not conceding goals. You know, sometimes belief can only take you so far. That's a good point. And, but again, it goes back to the idea. What is the goal of this match in this moment, right? If you have so many injured players, you're just trying to survive, right? So yes, it is the belief to attack and to just plug, plug and play. But I think, you know, as we've noted in this tournament, in the champions league, you don't have many opportunities, right? So you have to get as many points as you can, wherever possible, you know, obviously them being attacking helped us because then it was wide open for us. But if I were the manager of, of Tottenham, I would have gone more conservative, try to play for the draw and just survive to get, to, you know, continue on to the round. But right now, as it stands, they have zero points. Right. After yeah. two, two matches, you know, not looking and good. Not looking good. <laughs> right. <them>. And exactly. <laughs> and and their goal, <laughs> exactly. Their goal is to win these trophies and be an elite club. But you know, you have to choose your battles as a manager when to be super attacking and when to to know when to be conservative. So, again, to our advantage, they were attacking and we were able to exploit that from the second minute. Yeah. And, you know, what's funny is Pochettino said before the match that he he knew the entire team knew that they needed to not give Messi any space. Something I was thinking about that as I was watching this match, because I don't think they were fully aware Either maybe Pochettino, but at least the players were fully aware of just how little space you can give to Messi because he can operate in such tight spaces that he'll just tear you apart. You know, even though you think you're closing him down, you're not. I mean, Messi has the best first touch I've ever seen, right? He has the best first touch almost in history, right? Just the way he's able to control the ball on the worst pitches, the best pitches, it doesn't matter, right? You know, personally, what I would have done you know, if I'm playing against Barcelona, I would always have a man marking him at all time, kind of like in basketball, where you just have one guy, you know, almost like a man to man defense, you know, and try to just have someone in front of him at all times to just to try to avoid him receiving the ball as often as he does, right? 
it's one thing to have the theory to shut them down with the spaces, but it's, as we've seen, it's just virtually impossible. And especially the way he was so intrufado, like we said, plugged in, right? Like just the way he wanted it. I mean, we saw from the first minute how he was tracking the ball, how he was passing and moving. You knew he wanted to kind of show the world, you know, that he is serious about getting this Champions League trophy for sure. Yeah. And the other thing that comes to mind is that, you know, we talk about how uh, teams will close down Messi, they'll try and shut him, shut him out. And he so often manages to, you know, get out of sticky situations, dribble past two, three defenders, you know, get out of challenges, all just with his control, right? It's I mean, it's not that he's a weak guy. He's he actually has plenty of physical strength at this at this point he has for many years. Uh, but but it's all just with the way he can move the ball and move his body to get out of challenges. But I think where we have seen things not go quite according to plan is that his own teammates have sort of been sitting back almost and just waiting for him to get out of a challenge, waiting for him to fix things. Right? Uh, and I think in this match, what you saw was more players stepping up to help him, to give him an outlet, to give, you know, give him a pass because he'll give it to you. If you just show up, you know, and I think I was seeing more of that in this match that I, I was very happy about that. Yeah, again, I don't know if it was just because it was a Champions League match, but everyone was focused, playing at a high intensity. Everyone was moving around. I mean, you saw, obviously, our tour. Every time he passed, he would move around. I mean, it was great to see that. Obviously, Busquets just floating, patrolling, but obviously Suarez moving and just, you know, the overall movement of everyone that was focused in for this match you know, we have such an elite talent pool in our team, right? And when they're all plugged in and ready to play and focused, you know, we're top top team in the world, you know? And so you can just see the moment, you know, to start this campaign, especially at Wembley in London, everybody in the world kind of watching this match. This was the marquee match of the week and they did not disappoint. So I was thoroughly uh, impressed by everyone's performance. But again, you know, it's the hardest thing, you know, in your job, my job to always be focused game in and game out day in and day out. Yeah. And, you know, you pick your medals and, you know, they picked this one and it was great to see their performance. Cause like I said, I haven't seen Messi play like that in a while. And it was just great to see that kind of superstar top tier performance that he can bring out sometimes just to remind us who he is. Right. Well, I think it's best exemplified with the the 56 minute goal, the third goal, because this was like to me, this was like the old school Barcelona goal. This was like some Barcelona from another time. It was it was poetry, impatience, passing, movement, and then the final play on goal. And it came just after Tottenham had scored their first goal. So they made it two one. And then Barca had the ball. They gave it up on a bad pass from Arthur. But then Busquets and Coutinho both made the challenges that won back the ball. And then the passing and the movement in the midfield made this goal all possible. And again, I what I was saying earlier is that I don't know if this is something that they've worked out on the training ground over the past week or two weeks or something like that. Or Valverde just threw Arthur in there and said, let's see what happens. And this happened. But if you notice in the last few years, right, Busquets has been really anchoring that midfield and he's great at it it's sort of his own position. Once he retires, they're going to call anyone who does that similar sort of thing that they're playing in a Busquets position. But under Valverde, the thing is that most everyone has been in a pretty predictable position, which means the team has been a little static. What we saw in this match was a midfield that was 
freely interchanging positions. Who was in the center, the right, the left? Who was forward? Who was back? Busquets suddenly became much more flexible in position. He was getting ahead of Arthur and Rakitic at times, and either Arthur or Rakitic would step into that central role, and they were they were just dancing around them in the midfield, encircling them with the passing and their movement. So in the build-up to this goal, you could see what I'm talking about. In the final play, Arthur's feeling the pressure of an incoming challenge, but he springs forward and gives it to Messi while Semedo is making a run down his side, pulling some defense over. But Messi turns and passes out the other channel to Jordi bombing in. Here comes Jordi Alba at pace. And Messi, this time it's inside the post. Third time, perfect. Yeah, it was just a great goal because obviously it was like the double dummy run, you know what I'm yeah. saying, by by Suarez and Coutinho. And again, just the 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 way that Messi was able to spot him. And again, it's one of those, I think one of the underrated things that Alba brings, you, it's how he bombs that left side continually, all game long and able to retract back. That's such a hard thing to do. I mean, if it was so easy, we'd see more left backs doing that, but it's just such a hard thing to do. And, and we take it kind of for granted because Alba's been doing that for what, eight years or something for us. Yeah. And again, it's, it was the same thing that happened in the first goal, right? Alba bombing down and then yours making that mistake. And this was kind of the similar situation. However, we flooded the, the box and Messi prior to this hit the post two times. And again, Messi doesn't miss a third, right? I mean, and the way he just kind of just guided it right in off the post, which is magic, right? And so you knew the goal was coming, especially the way he was playing. And obviously that kind of really gave us some separation because for a couple minutes there, you know, Tottenham thought they had a chance there. There was, they were definitely doing some counterattacking, but obviously with this beautiful buildup and uh, finish by Messi kind of created that separation that they had to continue to chase the game. And then eventually we were going to get the next goal as well. Yeah. And they, I think that they did sense the weakness on Samedo's side because we got that one goal when Harry Kane dragged it back. Samedo hits the deck and he scored. It was a really nice finish from Harry Kane, by the way. But I, I think that they were starting to try to exploit Samedo more. He was getting pretty used on that side, but overall it wasn't enough. I just, this match, I mean, I know we had to play Samedo because Sergio Roberto's injured, but uh, I'm starting to lose patience with Samedo a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you said it was a nice goal by Kane. I mean, it was a good finish, but it's a lot easier when you don't have Samedo in front of you as opposed to on the ground, right? right. So <laughs> it's one of those amateur hour defensive movements, you know, uh, don't go to ground, right? Just be in front of them because Kane had already done two moves and Semedo just had to just be in front and most likely Kane was going to pass it back out to not take a shot because he didn't have a shot. But Semedo fell for it, went down to ground, and Kane was able to finish. So, again, it was kind of a mixture of both, right? Again, like you said, Semedo, I just want him to be more physical there. Just stay tighter. You're telling me Kane is faster than Semedo? No, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So why is he giving him so much space? Yeah. Like, when it, you know, it's one of those things like when you're smaller and faster, you can just get up in that guy's shorts. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and it's difficult for Kane because, yeah, he's quick, but he's not super fast. And also he's taller. So more than likely his footwork isn't as good as maybe someone that's shorter. Right. So Semedo should just lock him down. Right. But it, like you said, they, they found a weakness with Semedo and they kept bombing that left side. As I've always said through this season and lastly, I just want Semedo to be the physical specimen on defense and then 
attribute himself to more attacking down the line, but I want him to be a lockdown right back, you know, and that's not happening. Right. Well, I mean, if you compare Semedo with Jordi Alba, right, they're both very fast, but why is it that Jordi Alba is so much better than Semedo? Sure. He has a lot more experience. So there's that, but also he just has this, this positional awareness, his ability to read. I don't think Semedo has that, I mean, he's got the speed and he has some decent footwork on the ball. He can put a cross in. He, you know, he can do things and he, he can be physical at times, but uh, he doesn't have that positional awareness. He doesn't have that. I mean, he certainly doesn't have the experience, right? And there's nothing you can do about that at, the, at this point. But I just wonder if someone could coach him a little bit more on, on his positioning or his, his ability to reading the game. Yeah. I mean, how many goals has he given up where he's positioned? wasn't tight enough on the defender. And that's what I want him to be better at. Because if, again, I don't really care if he's going down the line like Alba. Alba is a very unique one t- you know, type of player, right? I mean, we're fortunate to have him. It's like trying to fill the Danny Alves role. Like that's such a hard feat to do. But if Semedo is to lock down that right side, that helps PK. At tremendous right because right. now pk can just focus on the center how many times in this match brian did you hold your breath every time it was going through the middle you know yeah. obviously we saw some good signs from linglet fresh legs he covered a couple times on deflection so i think he's going to be fine but again i if Semedo can just lock that corner down on defense that just makes our whole back line that much stronger exactly so barcelona and inter are both on six points in their group tottenham and psv with zero with Inter coming to the Camp Nou to close out the first half of this group stage. And when this group was drawn, I think we considered Tottenham to be the biggest competitor, but now it seems that Inter are the ones we need to be looking out for. Uh, But beating Tottenham on the road was a great result, and we just need to stay vigilant to keep the advantage when they come to the Camp Nou. We need to stay on top of things, and I think that at this point we've we've found the, the ideal 11, and as it turns out, maybe it doesn't involve Dembele. Yeah, unfortunately, like that's the trade-off, right? Our midfield is that much stronger, but then we leave Dembele off off the bench. Again, he could definitely come in the second half for the last 20 minutes and just give us that extra boost with his speed, maybe come in for Suarez up top or Coutinho, that kind of interchange, right? But like you said, as we predicted at the beginning, we thought Tottenham was going to be the tougher competition, but with their injuries – uh, looks like Inter, obviously them being in second place. So again, uh, I'm looking forward to the next matches. You know how much I love Champions League, but I'm I'm definitely feeling more at ease because if the players are this concentrated on the Champions League, I think we'll go far further than we did last year. Coming up, another draw in La Liga in Valencia. And the comments from Rakitic after the match have us asking... Do these guys need a break? Well, after such a great performance in the Champions League on Wednesday against Tottenham, uh, he, we could not seem to repeat similar results in the league against Valencia. This was played on Sunday, Sunday evening at the Mestalla. It was a 1-1 draw, which as score lines go, not terrible. But as a match, this was... Uh, the entire second half was just a waste of everybody's time. Uh, Valencia, they, you know, they came into this match in 13th place. They've only managed one win so far in La Liga, 
But as teams often do, they come out with a clear game plan against Barcelona. It's usually slightly on the more defensive side sometimes. Uh, You don't normally expect that from a team like Valencia, but that's kind of what they did, but with a a certain attacking flair on the other end of it. Meanwhile, Valverde went with a lineup almost identical to Wednesday's. Well, the biggest surprise for me was Vermaelen, right, getting the start, because I thought for sure after the Wembley performance, Lingley was going to get a consecutive start working with PK. So that for me was the biggest surprise. Again, I just want to see Linglet because he's fresher. He's going to, I think, try harder because he just has more to prove, right? So I wanted to see him play. Again, um, I don't know with this lineup, I would like to see Rakitic not start tonight and just get the night off because he has so many miles on those legs, man, and just maybe have Vidal play or have Coutinho go down to the midfield and put Dembele up top, you know, one of these things. I just don't understand, Brian. He's seen the players day in and day out, and it looks like he has no idea how tired these players look because when we're watching on TV, I can sense, you know, because of the movement and stuff, how they're not reacting as quickly as they did on Wednesday night against in Wembley. Well, you know, it could be that we actually have um, a more bird's eye view of things than than the managers, you know, because we don't they don't have cameras up in the stands at the uh, training grounds. But in any case, I. Uh, you know, we know that Valverde has his favorites at this point. Like, for instance, he's just not willing to bench PK or Umtiti, for example. Why he would play Vermaelen instead of Longley, that I cannot explain. But, for instance, since we can't have Umtiti right now due to injury, PK is going to have to be out there for Valverde, I think, so that he feels okay. Yeah, I mean, again, I was just listening to the post game of Valverde, and he just, you know, he's just not drawing inspiration for me with the tactics. And, again, just the odd you know, substitution for me and how he's riding these players into the ground already, you know? Yeah. Brian, help us. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say this, you know, in the, the first half, we were just letting in way too many shots, right? I mean, Valencia, were doing a good job to attack, particularly our right side. Uh, meanwhile, we were almost entirely limited to attacking down our left side. And something like that means I'm really feeling Sergio Roberto's absence. I feel like Semedo is only half good at everything. And so he doesn't give us great attacking options down the right. He doesn't give us great defense down the right. He gives us okay things in both phases. I think it's twofold. I think, yes, we are missing Sergio Roberto's ability to flank down that right side. But I also think it's two things. Like, for example, tonight with Rakitic just not looking as quick-witted right out there, like just slow-footed, just the passing and movement. But also I think it really comes down to Messi as well, Brian, because I think since Messi is always trying to go left and direct the play to Coutinho and Suarez's side to the left, he always mostly has his back turned to Semedo, and Semedo's not making those runs either. So I think those are the two things, right? Obviously with Sergio Roberto, Messi has confidence that he knows Sergio Roberto's going to make those runs, and so he'll look to that side as well and also with the combination with Rakitic so I think it's a a combination of things but really it goes down to the Semedo thing right it doesn't seem like the players have confidence in in the attacking front so again Brian again with these teams that we play on the road for example Sevilla Valencia uh, Atletico Madrid I mean these you know these teams that we should beat on paper whenever it's primetime games they get amped up Right. And that's what it was tonight. I mean, we saw the energy of Valencia. Right. Even though they had a midweek Champions League game, they just looked more energized, more youthful than us. And the other thing, too, is just, again, Semedo's connection, as we just mentioned before. Right. I mean, when we're playing with half the field, 
it's easy to bear down on defense and play against that, especially, you know, with the La Liga teams, they have more experience with Messi. They know our tactics and they're prepared for that as opposed to playing in Champions League. You know, we don't play Tottenham that often. They don't know the speed of Messi and how he can create that space. But Marcelino, you know, obviously being the, the manager before Villarreal and now the manager of Valencia, he has so much experience against Barcelona. I think it's more than 20 matches. So he knows exactly how to put the team in the right position to get points. And like you said, the Semedo thing, just not having any attacking prowess going forward. I mean, what would you, I mean, this match, would you rather have him be more solid on defense or did you want him to be more attacking? Well, I mean, I don't think it really matters in this match because they were they were soaking up so much of our... Well, okay, let's talk about how Valencia were playing, actually, to talk about this. Because they were looking to press intelligently, I think. And while at times it might have seemed as though they were just dropping deep, like really lesser sides often do, it really appears to have been all part of a counterattacking plan, or a trap, almost, to send that a long ball out wide... Uh, once you can get a foot on it, and then mostly challenging Semedo and our 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 right side uh, on the defense, and that's how they won the corners that they did, and of course in the second minute scored on one of those corners, and uh, on that goal, as, sort of as an aside, I think somebody should have been marking Garay running into the box, but I also think that he timed his run really well to catch our defense watching the ball instead of him. On that corner kick on the goal, I think PK should have done a better job of clearing that right. I mean, well, I think that's, he kinda... that's exactly the, the thing. I, I think that that's one of the we've talked many times about how when when corner kicks are the thing. All right. Crazy shit happens during corner. kicks, <laughs> <laughs> Right. Cows. Just, yeah. Cows happens. So it's like I'm not I mean, yeah, of course, I wish PK would have had a better eye on the ball and would have gotten his head on it instead of his back and sent it back for Garay to put in the goal. But I, I don't think it was a terrible error, per se. Okay. It was, I mean, an unforced error, let's call it. So let's talk a little bit about that left side now. I mean, I, do you think that teams are challenges more on left side, not only because Semedo, but also PK has looked so lackadaisical this season? Yeah. I mean, you have those two players there. That is where I would attack us, you right. know, if I was the opposing manager, right? So you're going to put the counters there. You're going to have a winger there to get ready to do the counter on that side. And again, that's what I'm saying is like, why don't you give PK the night off? Use Langlet, who's fresher, who's going to be more aggressive, who is just faster as well. I mean, those are the things we need on an away game. And again, it just, oh my God, Val Green and his tactics, man, just and his formation, substitutions, and everything going on. Right. The other point, too, Brian, you know, everyone has a playbook on us, right? Everyone has a playbook. Put everyone back. And we know we're not going to shoot from far or we're going to cross, right? We don't, we don't have a prowess. We don't have people running into the box. And everyone knows that Marcelino used been using the 4-4-2 forever like that's his formation that's what he does pressing and we saw with the two attackers up top that they were pressing us but again at times they were having eight or nine people on the back on defense I mean I don't know if you've noticed that right I mean there's so many there's so many white shirts and again it's this idea that we don't have a plan B or a plan C when it's not working we just keep hitting our head against the wall thinking that we're just going to eventually break them down but I just I cannot stand that kind of mentality I always I don't understand why we can't at halftime say, okay, in the 60th minute, if this is not working, we start hammering some crosses or shooting from afar just to break it up. It's so easy, Brian. It's so easy to defend when you know how they're going to attack one way. The versatility of our attacking should give us more spacing, but we, it seems like we're not allowed to do that, right? Because we want to keep possession. 
and you have to just break things up just to make it more difficult. It was so, I mean, as you said brilliantly at the beginning, it was just a waste of our time in the second half. Oh, yeah. I mean, really on both sides, everyone was just passing really sloppily. Uh, you know, Valencia couldn't really keep up the press, but they, they were trying their best to just get their feet in. We were passing like garbage. That entire 45-minute period was pointless. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just it's just frustrating because, you know, again, everyone has the playbook against us and we don't adapt to their counter move. Right. What 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 happened again tonight? It's the same thing. We we thought we were going to outpass them. And once you realize that we're not going to, we have to do something else. Right. Right. Well, well what's what's the definition of insanity again? Yeah. Right, right. We always go back right to that thing. And it's oh, just are you in recovery? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, oh, man, it's just so frustrating because, you know, we're watching on TV. We have this amazing game on Wednesday night. We have we're we're super elated about the revelation of our tour, right? And in this game, it just kind of didn't happen as much. And I don't know if it's a combination of just the players not being amped up for this game. I don't you know, I don't know if they're tired. I don't know what's going on, right? Right. Well, the one goal that we did score in the twenty-third minute was very cool for just a second. You know, that's the the one that Messi scored. Messi down low. So is this something that if we can do it once, we think, well, then then it'll work again. We will break them down. But maybe, maybe that's that's in their minds. But if you're getting to the 70th minute, 80, 75th minute, try something different, you know? Brian, how many times do we go on the right side in the second half? Very little. Yeah, maybe once maybe. by accident. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? By accident. Again. It's like a token. When you're playing, exactly. When you're playing defense, the two things that is easy for you, if you're just playing the half of the field, right, from the left, uh, from the middle to the left, you know, from Messi to Coutinho's side, and then also they're not going to be shooting that often from the back, it's easy to defend. That right side, that right, that left back had, he didn't do anything in the second half. He barely had to do anything. All he had to do was measure up the line and just make sure he wasn't keeping anyone on side. But other than that, he didn't do anything, right? Yeah. And that's the thing. Again, we are missing opportunities. If you're going to do the 4-3-3, three, three, those three forwards have to be in occupying those different spaces. And again, it's just, again, like you said, it's just a waste of time. Yeah. Now you've alluded to this already, but uh, what were you saying about Valverde's substitution pattern? Because this has shown up a lot recently, this very curious practice of Valverde's with substitutes. When you put a player in with five minutes or less and it's a tie game or you're losing and you're trying to chase the points, with five minutes or left, it's basically a Hail Mary play. You know, it's a Hail Mary play that you are hoping that Dembele is going to break through really quick and score an impossible goal. You know, and to me, in this match, we did need Dembele. We needed a spark, you know, off the bench. Why not put him with 15 minutes left? Have an impression in the game. You know, I don't understand these managers that put players in with five minutes. When I played and I came in as a second house up, it was the hardest thing to do because you have no rhythm of the game. You're just trying to get your first touch and then you're trying to get a sweat on and all of a sudden the game's over. Right. It's like, what just happened? You know, just what would happen, right? Sacrificial and- lambs. Exactly. And so Dembele is warming up for 25 minutes, essentially. Yeah. You know, and, and Val, Val Green doesn't even use them. And again, he, oh my gosh, just with the Coutinho sub, you know, I understand that he looked tired, but just go sooner, have more of an impact. If he brings Dembele in, put Vidal in, Rafinha, right? I mean, you saw Rafinha, he had maybe two plays and then he almost had that really, really bad foul. And then the game was over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, 
why put him in? Right. And this is exactly what Valverde did on Wednesday. And I guess you could argue that it was a slightly different situation because we were we were winning. We were ahead. So it was a, it was a different context. But he didn't make his first substitution until the 83rd minute against Tottenham. And now he's, I think it was the 80th minute in this match. So uh, like it's it's almost like he doesn't. I don't. I feel like Valverde is very resistant to to changing, and that's a really good quality to have in a manager. You know, right? <laughs> it's like inflexible, it's like, correct, non-adaptive. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the two worst qualities you could have, right? <laughs> uh, and in a game that is con- always adapting, right? Right. <laughs> so Again, I I don't know what his deal is. I like we talked about earlier. You know, we thought maybe that Artur, you know, getting the start in the Wembley game, maybe Val Green found something, right? But it looks like today that he stumbled upon it because he should have, you know, branched off of that and had the team going. But man, I listened to his post-press conference when we were loading up here for the podcast. And again, he just, he doesn't draw any kind of inspiration. And the moves he makes are just really troubling. And, you know, I I wouldn't say troubling, they're just really confusing. Right. right, they're just confusing more. The thing we you want to see is this kind of some sort of pattern, so you understand what he's trying to do, right? But we're just at a loss. You know, I, I'm reading the Twitter comments and everything, and people are just throwing their hands up in the air, trying to understand what is the end goal and what is what are we trying to do? Yeah, yeah. I mean, presumably we're trying to win the Champions League, and maybe that just means that La Liga is not getting the attention. Maybe we're turning into Real Madrid over the last three years. Yeah, well, I, I don't know, man. We need to, you know. <laughs> I know like that's Rakitic, a sacrilegious and No, I know, I know, I know. But, <laughs> but I was listening to Rakitic on the post game too as well, and he just he just kept saying four times, it's good that this break is coming so we can recharge our batteries. Oh, wow, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So, Subliminal and he kind messages. Of said it, exactly, exactly, right? And it's I really like, hope it's he like does Rakitic it. is a hostage making his hostage video, and he's like trying to send secret messages <laughs> to the rest of us. Like, blink twice if you're okay. Give me rest. <laughs> blink twice if you're okay. Yeah. But he's such a team player, and you know he doesn't want to. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, he wants to I mean, play or whatever. But but also like you know, could I don't know if Vidal could have made a difference, but I just know he would have had fresh legs. Yeah. And and that makes a big difference in the 60th minute and on. Right. That's that's where the biggest difference. Now, again. I don't know if that would have been the ultimate move, but I just I just don't understand with all the medical technology they have, how can they not just see during practice what's going on? Right? Yeah. Why don't we have six million dollar men? We have Correct. the technology. We have the technology. We can rebuild you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's now that's four games in a row now without a win. Three draws and one loss. And we're in second place behind Sevilla. And uh, I have to say I could not agree more. This this international break could not come sooner. <laughs> Correct. We're we're huffing and puffing to this part, you know. Again, Ooh. it's just man, Val Green is just just riding these guys like horses into the ground already. And and that is our biggest concern already. You can already see just these games are so intense with so many games already, and you know, especially playing at the Mestaya, that's such a hard place. And you saw how Valencia was up for this match. I mean, they were pressing high, they were going all over, and they basically said, We know you're not gonna do anything outside the box. And I know Messi scored from outside the box, but we need to do more shot taking from out there and just didn't happen. So uh, Brian, I'm concerned with the rest of the season in that I think we're just going to have a lot of inconsistency when there doesn't need to be. Right. Yeah. No, that's exactly what I foresee. So it's, it's going to be a roller coaster. Correct. (laughs) Hold on tight, baby. (laughs) 
Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. We can't make this show without you, the listeners, so to see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca! Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.